If you're not using a virtual assistant, there is absolutely zero downside in testing this out. A virtual assistant could change your life. It could change the trajectory of your business by offloading uh, a lot of the um, less strategic uh, tasks that you may otherwise need to do on a day-to-day basis to someone who, quite frankly, might be better better than you at doing them uh, anyway. That's certainly the case uh, with my virtual assistant. You're listening to The Growth Birth, the show focused on achieving lifestyle freedom through online businesses. Whether you're looking for step-by-step strategies to start building an online business, simple game plans to grow your business, or proven lifestyle freedom frameworks, you are in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the thousands of listeners already in growth mode. Aiden Booth here, welcome to episode number 67 of The Growth Booth, where today we are going to be talking about virtual assistants. And this is the first of a two-part series where I'm going to be talking about VAs. And today we'll dive into how you can find a VA, what you should expect, the kind of jobs they can do. And then in the next episode, we'll dive more into managing a a VA and how you can make sure that you're getting the absolute best uh, from that relationship that you're setting up. So the first thing that you need to think about when hiring a VA is the pre-hiring tasks, which are assessing why you actually need one, learning a little bit about culture, deciding on your budget, and building out a job description. And then once you've done that, you can move on to hiring a VA. So in terms of pre-hiring, what I think is really important is to assess your why. Why do you actually need a VA in the first place? Why do you need a virtual assistant? And I think it's a good idea to start thinking about the types of tasks that you would like to delegate to a virtual assistant. For me, I I think virtual assistants are incredibly well uh, equipped to handle things like social media, uh, and that could be the entire management and communication on social media channels for your, your business. Customer support is just a complete no-brainer, I think, at this point. Content creation as well. Uh, admin. So uh, recently I had my one of my virtual assistants uh, organize flights for me. This is something that you can do. Um, it's quite easy. that They can do the heavy lifting. And oftentimes the jobs that a virtual assistant might do might only save you 20 or 30 minutes, but this really accumulates. And when you have a virtual assistant who's well-trained and can work is uh, you know your right-hand person there, you can end up saving yourself enormous amounts of time by offloading tasks to them that today you probably couldn't imagine offloading to anyone. Another time I used my VA to organize flights was when I was flying to Tokyo. It was quite a long trip. I was traveling all the way from Buenos Aires, and I asked her to find out all the different options that I had at my disposal, um, who were the carriers, what were the prices, what were the flight times, and so on and so forth. And this is you know, a, a simple task which probably saved me at least an hour and allowed me to get uh, you know, find the very best flights that were going to fit my needs. So it's not just about uh, things specifically related to your online business. It could be anything uh, at all, really, any kind of tasks that can be done online, even if it's related to your personal life. I think it's important to learn a little bit about the culture uh, of your VA. So um, these days, any virtual assistants that I hire, they're almost always from the Philippines. The Philippines is a great breeding ground for very talented um, workers in a whole wide 
range of fields. And we've got people in the Philippines who do uh, video editing actually for this podcast, um, and he's fantastic. Um, we've got people who do uh, programming uh, and development for some of our software tools. We've got customer support, uh, virtual assistants, uh, you know, coders, and other bits and pieces as well. So Philippines is a great place to hire people. But you should still take some time to learn a little bit about the culture, um, you know, starting with holidays, which are the important holidays that you should respect. Um, and what about local holidays that may exist in the Philippines, but uh, elsewhere they don't. So they've got a bunch of them. They've got their own Independence Day. They've got Bonifacio, Bonifacio Day. I hope I pronounced that one right. Uh, National Heroes Day, uh, amongst others. There's also health uh, benefits that you might want to consider when hiring someone. Do you want to provide uh, benefits like uh, health insurance, for example? These are things that uh, will make good perks oftentimes for virtual assistants and uh, employees that you may uh, hire in the Philippines. The next thing that you need to decide on is your budget. How much are you willing to pay? And one of the first questions that I get when asked about hiring a virtual assistant, other than where to actually find them, and we'll get to that shortly, is how much do you pay them? And we're typically looking at between $3 an hour at the low end up to about $10 an hour at the high end, and that would be for an absolute uh, superstar. Okay, So you can hire people at incredibly good rates, and it really can be a win-win scenario because you're leveraging a developing uh, economy. You should also figure out the different payment methods uh, that you could potentially use, and we'll get into more of these uh, later on, um, and the schedule in which you'll pay. You probably also want to consider uh, you know, conversion fees that may be um, apparent when, when making these payments because you should probably absorb these yourself rather than expecting your uh, Filipino uh, virtual assistant to absorb these for you. And you always want to make sure that you're providing uh, fair compensation and I would go to the uh, extreme of saying you want to be beyond fear to make sure that, you know, from a financial standpoint, uh, there's a lot of positivity happening from, from the outset and you're not trying to nickel and dime someone who's providing a great service or great work for you. The next point that I would like to consider before hiring a virtual assistant is actually taking the time to construct a job description. This is going to help give me clarity in my mind about what I'm looking for. And you, what you'd want to include in a job description are things like a list of responsibilities, uh, qualifications that you're looking for. So if you've got someone who's creating content for you in English, then you're going to want to make sure that they've got a very high level uh, of English. You might want to also manage uh, expectations around how many hours per week you're looking for someone. So if you're looking to hire someone full-time, 40 hours a week, you should specify that because otherwise you might get someone who is only looking for part-time work and, and vice versa. And then what, what are the working hours? So what time zone do you expect your virtual assistant to work on? Are you expecting them to work on your time zone, which could be you know late through the middle of the night and early morning uh, for them? Or are you happy for them to be working on whatever time zone uh, they prefer? In my case, uh, because of the, the nature of the tasks that uh, I typically have my virtual assistants doing, I'm quite happy for them to be working on their own time zone as long as we've got some overlap so that we can uh, catch up with one another. 
And then if you are offering some kind of a, a trial period, which is really probably not necessary given how um, I will, will recommend that you actually hire someone, then just specify uh, you know what that is. Then it comes to where are you actually going to find this virtual assistant? And the two very best uh, sources in my mind are onlinejobs.ph, that's the best one for finding a virtual assistant, and upwork.com. Now, upwork.com, you're going to find people um, from outside of the Philippines, whereas um, onlinejobs.ph, you'll only find people who are in the Philippines. And uh, it's it almost seems like onlinejobs.ph is, is sort of a specialist area for virtual assistants. At least that's what uh, I've found. So you may want to publish a job in multiple places, but I would be pretty happy just going direct to onlinejobs.ph. You're going to get, um, you know, be able to tap into a huge talent pool there and find someone, find multiple people to, to start working with you. This episode was brought to you today by The Mind Game. If you want to learn about a 66-day game plan and the secret formula responsible for generating over $100 million in online sales, then head over to thegrowthbooth.com forward slash mind game today and you'll find out about a program that I've put together that walks you through a framework that I have used to personally generate over $100 million from my online businesses and how you can tap into the exact same secrets that have been used by uh, mega millionaires and the most successful people uh, in the world today. So you can find out more at thegrowthbooth.com forward slash mind game. Now back to the episode. The next step is hiring. And this is where you start to roll out the job posts. So you've already got a job description fleshed out at this point. I would say that you also want to make sure that you've got some keywords built into it. And when I say keywords, what I'm really talking about are words related to the um, the skills or the tasks that you're going to be outsourcing. And the reason you want keywords is because if a, a potential candidate for your job is uh, searching through onlinejobs.ph, they might be searching using keywords. And if your, um, you know, your your job description turns up there, it may be because you've used certain keywords. So you can use that to your advantage. And I'll give you an example. Let's say you are hiring someone, want to hire a virtual assistant to help with uh, your e-commerce store. Then I would include the words e-commerce store. If you, if part of their job is going to be, um, you know, writing product descriptions, then I would include uh, product descriptions. Uh, in the the description of the, the job post. You also want to make sure that you manage expectations regarding the salaries and the benefits that you're willing to offer. Now, uh, sometimes I um, leave this open and I say, let me know what you are expecting for your salary. And then they can come back to me with what they are expecting. And it's an open marketplace. So you're going to have a lot of different people putting their hand up to work for you. And I think that automatically works as a measure to make sure that a virtual assistant doesn't just give you a crazy high price. Because if they do give you a crazy high price for the job, then chances are you might end up choosing someone else. So I think that this sort of fixes itself, if you like. 
listening out any benefits that you may have uh, is is also a good idea. So, for example, if you are uh, willing to provide uh, things like uh, health insurance or paying the 13th month uh, of the year or not requiring that uh, your virtual assistant works on public holidays in the Philippines, then these are the types of things that you want to add in there because that's going to make the the job uh, much more attractive to the virtual assistant. Once you publish your job, you're going to start getting applicants and you want to start filtering them out. And I tend to do this according to the skills and the experience that they've got. So typically, I'm going to be wanting to hire someone who's got a, a good level of experience because it's just going to save me time and headache and not just experience and working and the type of, of job that I'm offering, but also uh, experience in the skill set that I'm looking for. So if you know having um, you know perfect written English is important, then I want to make sure that they tick the boxes in that area. I want to look through the the CVs and resumes and cover letters that I will uh, receive. And in the job description, I'm going to be asking for specific things. So I want to make sure that I'm not just getting a cookie cutter uh, reply here. I want to make sure that the candidate is specifically replying to questions that uh, I may have posed them. And if they're not, then um, you know they'll be filtered out um, immediately. And most cases, it's a good idea to ask for applicants' uh, references just to verify that their skills and experiences are as they say they are. Uh, this is not that important, though, because you're going to have an opportunity to test out the virtual assistant firsthand by having them do some work for you uh, anyway in the next step, which is um, the, the second uh, pass I go through when filtering out my applicants. So the first one is to look at their their CVs, their their background, their experience, and then once you've done that, it's to identify uh, people that still tick the boxes to and and set them up with a test job. Now the test job is something that um, I want to pay for. I'm not looking for them to do a job for me for free. Um, firstly, because I, I don't think that's fair, but secondly, because I want to make sure that my virtual assistant has got an easy way of getting paid by me. I want to make sure that they um, that we go through that whole process. And you know, a test job might be something that's worth five dollars. So we're not talking a huge amount of money, but I want to make sure that they can actually get paid uh, and receive the money and I want to you know early on flesh out if there are any hidden fees or anything like that that we didn't know about so I want to set up a test job for a number of applicants and typically I'll test out five or six uh, different people and the job that I'll have them do is something that I'm going to um, hopefully be repeating uh, when they come on board work, working for my company. So uh, one simple one if they're going to be doing social media would be um, I want you to um, come up with 10 social media posts for my brand. These are the key messages that I'm looking to convey um, and I want you to tell me, I want you to send over what the posts would be and tell me how long it took you. By the way, tell me how long it took you so that I can pay you and tell me what your um, hourly rate is. So if someone says that their hourly rate is $5 an hour and they complete the job and they say, look, this took me 30 minutes, I'll say, okay, great. So um, your rate's $5 an hour. I'm going to pay you $2.50 um, for that. And it allows me to assess the quality uh, of the work that has been done. It allows me to assess how long it took them to do it. And 
then it allows me to actually pay the applicant um, as well. And typically I'll try to come up with a job that's going to take more than 30 minutes, that might take an hour or two, um, so that I've got a better gauge on, on that. And sometimes I'll even do multiple parts to the job. So the first part might be something like social media posting. The second part might be research, uh, or it could be something else like you know writing a product description or, or something like that. The key, though, is that you're trying to assess the uh, abilities of the candidates, of the applicants, in a number of different tasks. Most of my virtual assistants are not um, people that just focus on one single thing. They're people that can do uh, multiple sort of like a, a broad range of, of tasks, and I like to assess that uh, from the get-go. So I find that the test jobs are a win-win because you get to see uh, how the the assist, virtual assistant is, is working firsthand. And at this point, after they've done the test jobs, you may be ready to just go out there and hire someone. And if you are, fantastic. And I've, I've gone uh, oftentimes where I've hired two people or three people and I might hire them on a part-time basis to begin with, you know, 20 hours a week and give that, it's more like an extended test and then based on that, um, end up hiring one person uh, full-time. But uh, the good news is, you know, it's very cost-effective. You can get amazing tasks done and you can test someone out without having any, you know, fixed and permanent uh, contract. And this is also why I said earlier that uh, having a, a trial period is less important because if their virtual assistant is a contractor, then you're not going to be obliged to keep them on uh, indefinitely uh, anyway. Obviously, you want to get you want to, uh, you know, make sure that you uh, keep your end of the bargain up, and you're not not just going to, you know, uh, lay them off, you know, without any notice or anything like that. But at the end of the day, they are contractors, and you can just say that, uh, you know, th there's no more work. But most of the virtual assistants that I've worked with in the past, I've always gone into hiring them um, with the idea of having them on as a a full time employee working, you know, forty hours uh, per week. Now, there is one other thing that you can do and really should do when you're hiring a virtual assistant. However, it's another one of these things that, that I feel like sort of takes care of itself, and that is to actually uh, have an interview uh, with the virtual assistant prior to hiring them full-time. The best way, in my opinion, to do that this is to have a video call so you can um, you can see face-to-face -face, uh, the person, you can see what might be going on uh, around them, and you can assess then spoken English skills and go through any other questions that you may have about their experience and just get to know uh, the applicant uh, a little bit more. Um, I don't always do this though because I feel like this just happens naturally as part of the trial periods and as part of the uh, sort of testing uh, one another out uh, early on in the relationship. Now, once you have hired someone and you've brought them into the fold, at that point, it's about managing them and making sure they've got everything that they need to be able to do a really good uh, work for you. And I think the most important thing are the instructions and the training that you give someone. Because if you ask, uh, you know, if you ask someone to paint a wall, but don't tell them what color, you know, you could get a wall, come back this yellow or, or blue or pink or black, and it would be your fault for not specifying it. So the same is true. Uh, when you are working with a virtual assistant. It's really important to give 
specific requirements about the work and to manage uh, expectations. So there are a few different ways that you can do this. I like to use different tools like uh, Loom, for example, to film videos. I like to give examples. Uh, and I also like to manage expectations around the amount of time that I expect them to spend on a task. Because if I leave it open-ended, then, uh, you know, it could take, you know, hours and hours to do something that I was hoping would be done in 30 minutes. So I think it's good to manage expectations there uh, a little bit as well. Regular check-ins are important, but not to the point of micromanaging. So you might want to have a weekly meeting with your virtual assistant, or you might want to have them provide you with a report once a week uh, showing you know the work that's been done. Uh, and uh, you can also do this using the time clocking software if you're using anything like that as well, where they can uh, specify uh, the amount of time that was spent on each project. And we do uh, time tracking, not in a formal way, just so that we know, you know how much time was spent on each project, because oftentimes uh, the virtual assistants that I've got in my team are working on multiple different businesses. So I want to be able to sort of build them out accordingly to each of, of the businesses. So it's more of an internal thing for me, but the side benefit is I can see how much time they've, they've spent on each uh, project. The next thing uh, I would recommend is to utilize communication and project management tools. So one of my favorites right now is Trello. You can set up uh, free accounts for Trello, and this is how you can manage projects on uh, like on, on a board visually, if you like. And one of the simplest ways to set this up is to uh, sort of start building a pipeline. So maybe on the the left hand end of the board, you'll have you know um, work that's that's coming soon. Then you'll have another board that says next up, and you'll have another part of the Trello board for them to be working on right now. Um, it's a little bit hard to explain how Trello works. The best way is to head over to Trello.com and, and take a look. But we use Trello boards for management of a lot of different projects, and it works really well. But there are multiple different options out there these days. I know that um, some of the businesses that, that I have use Asana. Um, Others use um, the likes of, of Google Drive. And then in terms of communication, Skype um, is good. Zoom, uh, Teams is, is another one. So you just want to find the simplest way to achieve what you're trying to achieve uh, from a communication and management standpoint and use that and stay consistent with it. And then finally, I think providing feedback is important. Uh, showing appreciation for hard work that's been done. It doesn't uh, cost you anything to say thank you and uh, providing feedback, be it, you know, you know, uh, constructive uh, feedback or just um, while this was wonderful kind of a thing, that's the best way for your virtual assistant to get better and better and better. So if something is done for me by my virtual assistant, but it's not really what I wanted or it was done incorrectly, instead of just saying, you know, instead of being negative about it, I try to use that as a learning experience. So um, look, in the next episode, we're going to be diving into managing the virtual assistant in more detail. And that'll be over on episode number 68 at the Growth Booth coming out uh, a week uh, from now. And uh, we'll get, like I say, we'll get into more of the management day to day and different tips and tricks to get the best 
from your virtual assistant. There are a couple of blog posts that I've done uh, over the years, which you can find on aidenbooth.com, and I will provide uh, links uh, to those in show notes. One of them is at aidenbooth.com forward slash virtual dash assistant dash game plan, and the other is at aidenbooth.com forward slash virtual dash assistant dash tips. But like I say, I'll provide uh, links to those in the show notes along with a transcription and links to the other, some of the other tools, uh, and platforms that we have discussed here in this episode. I think for me, uh, the last thing I'll say here is that if you're not using a virtual assistant, there is absolutely zero downside in testing this out. A virtual assistant could change your life. It could change the trajectory of your business by offloading uh, a lot of the um, less strategic uh, tasks that you may otherwise need to do on a day-to-day basis to someone who, quite frankly, might be better better than you at doing them uh, anyway. That's certainly the case uh, with my virtual assistant. So uh, we'll wrap this episode up here and I will see you on the next episode of The Growth Group.